everyone, and welcome back to the Practicology Podcast. Welcome back to you too, Matthew, co-host here. And uh, what do you want to share with us on the Practicology Podcast today? I've got one thing to say to you and our listeners, Mike. Get those dirty feet cleaned. Well, that sounds like safe advice. It is safe, sound, and scriptural. Speaking of safe advice, we've heard lots over the past 16 months or so, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic about making sure our hands are clean. I wonder if we give as much thought to making sure our feet are clean. Well, Matthew, I know the science is changing as we learn more, but I don't think there's a big concern about our contracting COVID due to dirty feet yet. COVID, no, but spiritual defilement, yes. Back in episode 18, we looked at John 13 and its very practical instruction from the Lord's example of how to serve others. We are to wash one another's feet. But I mentioned in that episode that I would like to return to this passage in John 13 for the spiritual teaching found in verses 5 to 10 about making sure our own feet get washed. So that doesn't mean we're to demand our fellow believers to wash our feet. It means we need a regular foot washing from the Lord and his word. Because let's face it, the world is a spiritually defiling place and our feet are bound to get dirty as we walk through it. Right. So you are saying that there is some symbolism in the water, uh, a spiritual teaching the Lord has in mind in that brief conversation he has with Peter when he's washing Peter's feet, right? There must be something in the water. And the Lord makes that clear in a couple ways at least. He says without the foot washing, Peter would have no part, no share with Christ. That's a pretty intense statement. And the second thing is the Lord uses two different words for wash. I think it's verse 10. He's making a contrast between being already totally clean through means of a bath, yet still requiring still requiring regular feet washing. In the words of Albert Lecky, a great Bible teacher of yesteryear from Scotland, feet washing is necessary and must be repeated because of daily defilement. This is not so much washing from sins that we have committed, but the washing away of everything that is unworthy of God and unsuited to his presence, end quote. The world is a defiling place, brothers and sisters. Let's get those dirty feet cleaned. Okay, well, this is good, Matthew, because this is a very important and practical teaching so let me help you out by reading John 13, verses 5 to 10. It says, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean, but not every one of you. Thank you, Mike. And maybe we've got some very young listeners listening to our podcast today. Maybe you're in the back seat as mom or dad are playing this podcast in the car as they're driving. Uh, my little guy is not tuning into this and there's a particular reason why because actually what John 13 is telling us, here's good news maybe for some people, they might think it is. You only need to ever have one bath in life. Wow. Uh, verse number 10 used two different words there in John chapter 13 
for wash. So in the English Standard Version, it makes it clear. One of the words is bathe, and that's when the Lord Jesus said, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. And that bath that the Lord Jesus is talking about, we could refer to it as the bath of conversion. The water of that spiritual bath cleansed you and made you a new person. Now, you may be more accustomed to, to thinking, well, I, don't we say the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ cleansed me and washed me clean. Well, that's true. Uh, we find forgiveness and redemption through his blood, Ephesians 1. We're justified, Romans 5, 9, by his blood. So the blood dealt with the guilt of our sin. But in John 13 to 17, the Lord isn't speaking so much about forgiveness and justification. And remember also that from the side of the Lord Jesus on the cross, there came not only blood, but also water. And scripture speaks not only of cleansing by blood, but also of cleansing by water. Now, the same word as verse number 10, translated bathe in the English Standard Version, you get it in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, where he speaks of the washing, the bath of regeneration, the washing of the new birth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. This is like John 3 a little bit. We must be born again or regenerated. We need the new birth. And in the context of being made new, interestingly, in John 3, it says we are born of water. Now, think of these words, born again, regenerated, washed. They're all giving us the sense of a fresh start. That's what water does for us. It cleans us, gives us this feeling of renewal. So the blood has dealt with your guilt. The water has made you new and clean. That's great. That's a precious reminder. And another scripture that comes to mind is 2 Corinthians 5. We are a new creation in Christ. And the analogy of water is a sensible one. <clears throat> when you have a literal bath or a shower in literal water, you feel clean. At least I do. You feel renewed, like starting afresh. And that's what the bath of conversion does for us. It cleans us. It gives us a fresh start. All the dirt of our sin washed away. Exactly. And hey, it's never out of place just to pause for a moment and ask our listeners, have you ever had a bath like that? That's the bath that you only need to have once. Have you ever been made clean through the gospel of Jesus Christ? In that passage you just read to us, Mike, the Lord said, you are clean, but not every one of you. Of course, he was talking about Judas Iscariot. He was among the disciples, but he'd never had the bath of salvation. Outwardly religious, but still in his sins. And remember, friends, you need to be washed. What enables us to draw near to a holy God with full confidence of our acceptance with him is not that we've scrubbed away our sins by our acts of outward devotion or our self-righteousness, but he has washed us clean. Hebrews 10 is another scripture that comes to mind. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. How can we do that? Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There it is again, washed with water. Yeah, and that text coming from Hebrews, Matthew, uh, obviously means that the system of worship in the Old Testament tabernacle is in the author's mind. Absolutely. So we're going to go there in a moment. But before we do, just keep these two things from John 13 in your mind. The bath of conversion, that's a once for all thing. The one who is bathed is completely clean. But if our feet aren't regularly washed, the Lord tells us, you have no share with me. 
But Mike, you've directed us to the Old Testament tabernacle. I want to go there now to take a lesson from the Levitical priesthood that corresponds to what we're seeing here in John 13. And I think this is interesting. I, I know you love diving deep into the Old Testament typology too, Mike. And knowing you as I do, you've got some pretty strong dogmatic opinions probably on the significance of each of the various ingredients of the sweet incense of Exodus 30. And you could probably tell me how many parts per million of sodium was in use for the water in the basin in the tabernacle. But we're not going to do that deep dive. Uh, I hope you'll let me stay a little more high level. I'm not making light of tabernacle teaching, by the way, when I say this, I like it. And there are some fantastic picture lessons in it. That's why we're going there. In Exodus, you read about Israel's priests. And to enter the priesthood, they had to be washed with water, Exodus 29.4. That's like you and me. To become part of the priesthood and God's family, we needed that spiritual cleansing, that washing, that bath of John 13.10. But the basin, in the King James Version, it's the laver that stood in the courtyard of the tabernacle just outside the tent structure was only for the priests, and it was also for the priests to wash it regularly, an ongoing thing. Before they went inside the tabernacle proper, they had to wash. Exodus 30 really emphasized this. Verse 18, it was for washing. Verse 19, they shall wash. Verse 20, they shall wash. Verse 21, they shall wash. Verse 20, so that they may not die. Again, in verse 21, they need to wash so that they may not die. I mean, they, they're already bathed. They're priests. But there's no participation in the service of worship for God without regular washing. If they tried, they would die. That is pretty intense too. Now you say, wow, well, I'm glad I'm not a priest. But you are a priest. We're part of a New Testament priesthood. And you say, well, I, I'm glad purity is not so serious in the New Testament. But of course it is. We're, we're still worshiping the same God. Now, the threat of death, admittedly, is not so plain in the New Testament. Maybe there's, in a sense, a worse danger. To believers in the New Testament, the Lord says, you need to have your feet washed or you have no part with me. He doesn't say you'll die, but you're not enjoying fellowship with the Lord. You're, you're not saying, well, you might say you're not walking in step with the Lord. You may continue to serve in one sense, but the worship is lacking and the service is compromised. I want us to see this point today that to God, cleanliness is extremely important. Brothers and sisters, let's get those dirty feet cleaned. So what God is teaching us in Exodus and in John 13 is that worshiping and serving the Lord is a sacred business. Now, of course, we're not going to become holy by our best efforts. It's not me just making my mind up, oh, today I'm going to be sinless. Um, the priests in the tabernacle weren't purified by being extra careful. You know, it's not like they're saying, oh, this time I'm not going to let any blood splatter when I do the sacrifice, or I'm just going to tiptoe through the court. I don't want to get any dirt from the ground on my feet. No, they, they could be purified, cleansed at the basin. The basin wasn't the vessel at which they served. That would be inside the tabernacle at the lamp stand, for example, or, or out at the altar. No, the basin wasn't the vessel at which they served. This was something that it was available for them. Now that's like in John 13. The disciples don't actually clean their own feet there, do they? The Lord did. And the same Lord Jesus wants to bend down and wash your feet, beloved friend, to make you clean. And the way he is going to do that for you is with his word. 
Well, <clears throat> congratulations, Matthew. We're 12 minutes in, and now you've finally given the clear statement I've been waiting for. You are saying that the water in the basin in Exodus and the water in the basin in John 13 symbolizes the Word of God. Yes, in this teaching, the water points to the Word of God. As a general guideline of interpretation, running water in the scriptures will point to the Holy Spirit. We see that in John's gospel too, John 7, rivers of living water. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. John 4, water springing up. John 3 as well, by the way, born of water, even the Spirit. The background of Ezekiel will be a big clue for that interpretation in John 3. But while running water points to the Holy Spirit, contained water, placid water, you might say, points to the word of God. And the water in John 13 is contained in a basin. And the Lord says in John 15, he, he gives some light on it. The scriptures interpret the scriptures. He says, you are clean through the word I spoke to you. Some of our listeners might think of Ephesians 5. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Psalm 119. How can a young man cleanse his way and keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So listen, beloved brothers and sisters. Your Bible is a powerful cleansing agent. It is pure water. And you can just think about reading your Bible just sort of like sitting under a waterfall. Just let it wash over you. Or, or maybe it's more like warm water poured over your aching feet. Walking in the world can pull our steps down into a moral gutter. We need our feet washed. The water of the word lifts us up. The world has a way of slathering you in its slime of corruption. We lose perspective on how dirty its dirt really is. Get too used to it. And the Bible reminds us of the purity of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus would love to keep serving you in this way. Just as the Lord knelt at the disciples' feet with a basin of water, so he would kneel at your feet to lovingly wash them with the water of the word to make you clean. So our listening to the scriptures as they are taught and preached, our own reading of the scriptures, our meditation upon the scriptures, this refreshes us, this renews us, this cleanses us. Hey, I'm glad you're listening to us on the Practicology Podcast. Let me urge you, don't let this be the only way your feet get washed. Someone could be working hard outside at times. Their feet are getting smelly, dirty, filthy, and uh, they step into the house and into the bathroom where there's a shower. The shower is waiting for them there. It's only a benefit to them if they go get into the shower. Or someone with dirty feet in a bucket of water is sitting there ready for you to sit down and they're going to wash your feet. That's great. You only get the benefit if you come and sit down and allow them to wash your feet. And when we come, having been defiled just by our going through this sinful world, and the Bible is laying there on our desk or on our bed, Remember, it's really only going to cleanse us if we take time to read it. I want to clarify this uh, just to be fair. I mean, reading the scripture is not always going to be like a flood or like a waterfall. But I think it's fair to say it's always good for you. It's always good for me. Sometimes maybe I don't even feel a, a trickle of water on my spirit. 
but it can still help. It can still act as a, as a filter. It can still be cleaning away some dirt as it gets into my mind. And just as I regularly get defiled, so I regularly need cleansing. Yeah, uh, so do I, Matthew. And thank you for the reminders of just how much we need the scriptures. It's like daily food. It's like a regular cleansing. I'm wondering if you can just clarify something you said earlier in your Albert Leckie quote and what you've just hinted at uh, in those past couple of minutes. When, when you talk about being regularly cleansed from the dirt of a defiling world, you don't seem to be particularly talking about being forgiven for sinful things we've done, are you? Correct. Uh, and I know it's a bit of a fine line, but I would say the ministry of the basin is not, it doesn't have in mind explicit sin that I've committed, but defilement I've contracted. Uh, if you go back to the Old Testament priests there in the tabernacle, I mean, it was just a given that they would get dirty without their doing anything wrong. So the basin wasn't dealing with disobedience, but just defilement that they would naturally get. And it's the same with the Lord washing our feet. This isn't about our confession of sin. It's just acknowledging the world is a, is a dirty place. Our feet get dirty as we move through it. Maybe that's hearing language that's mocking God and blaspheming the Lord Jesus. Um, maybe it's jokes that we're hearing that are full of sexual innuendo or billboard ads that we see that are encouraging sensuality, or just the values of greed and consumerism that pervade the culture, or an entertainment world, and how it glorifies sin and captivates us with temptation. And all of this is in our face, that the world is designed to appeal to the self and the flesh. And by living in this world, it's like there's a contamination that occurs because we, we also are sinful people. There's a response there. And the Lord Jesus was different. He's unique. But this defilement is not so much in you telling a lie or you actively feeding your lust or you skipping out on your responsibilities at work. It's just you as a creature of sinful flesh walking in this defiling world. And our righteous Lord Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. You see, he's not content just to save us. He wants to sanctify us. Think back to the, the layout of the tabernacle the basin follows the altar. The first thing you would see when you come in that courtyard was the altar that points to our conversion, the sacrifice of Christ. And then beyond that is the basin. We're not supposed to stop at the altar. We're invited into the priesthood. The basin was only for the priest. As we've experienced salvation at the altar, now God wants us to experience sanctification at the basin. The basin and the feet washing points us to this neglected truth, this overlooked truth of sanctification. The need for spiritual cleanliness is paramount uh, to serve and worship and enjoy God. Spiritual cleanliness is extremely important to God. So I want to challenge our hearts today, but I don't want to discourage you. Uh, remember when we were in our sins, helpless, discouraged, the Savior came cleansed us. Well, that same Savior is ready to come right now, and he will bend down and wash your feet. He's going to use the word to do it. Spiritual cleanliness is important, and spiritual cleanliness is possible. We're not talking about just some hyper-spiritual, hairy-fairy thing here. The Lord brings us to the basin, and he brings the basin to us. Thanks, Matthew. In light of this teaching about our being washed from defilement with the word, 
Is it your practice personally to read your Bible in the evening after you've, you know, had your day's activities and maybe contracted some defilement? It isn't so much actually, but I would say there's no bad time to read the Bible. My practice is to read in the mornings. I find that helps equip me for the day and puts me in the right frame of mind to face the day. And I think there is a regular practice in scripture, plenty of examples of people spending time with the Lord in the mornings. But I'm not making that a rule. Again, there's no bad time to read the Bible. The key thing is to make some time. And the more we can make, the better. Certainly, it's a great idea to have some time in the evening as well, just to meditate again on something that we've appreciated maybe earlier in the day. And that's a habit I'd like to cultivate also. What about yourself, Mike? Yeah, I try to uh, do a little in the morning and a little shortly before I go to bed. Um, I find that works best for me. As you say, in the morning, it prepares me for the day. And at the end, it prepares me for the night. But as you say, the, the key thing is to get our dirty feet cleansed. And our Lord is ready to do that for us through his word. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as he was willing then to stoop down and serve his disciples in this way, I take such comfort that he's willing to do the same for me today. And uh, so thank you, everyone, for being part of our life as we try to help make the Bible part of yours. Thank you for tuning in. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Please remember you can reach out to us by emailing us at info at practicologypodcast.com. And I'd also encourage you to uh, get a hold of Matthew's home address and maybe just address a little letter to Matthew Kane's youngest boy and be sure to include a note in there that you heard his daddy say, you only have to have one bath. He'll be delighted. Thanks for listening, everyone, and take care. Have a great day.